in Ziploc that Right on my waistline is why I kept that strap I remember nights, I didn't remember nights I damn near went crazy, I had to get it right Now I'm your favorite rapper's favorite rapper Hey, Now I'm your favorite trapper's favorite trapper The absolute truth, yeah, no joke Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to another episode of the Trap Draw Podcast. I am joined. Oh, oh crap. I hit the wrong button. No. It's... <laughs> well, uh, the, the, God, the... I was in such a nice mood there for a second. Now it's oh, back, uh, back to reality. That voice you hear, the, the, the man you know pounding the soundboard is uh, my strap brother, Neil Schuster. I, I'm on the ones and twos, baby. <laughs> Neil, how are you today? I'm doing. I'm excellent. I'm doing great. I'm excited. I'm thrilled, excited about our uh, our conversation today. Well, do you want to? Why don't you? Uh, why don't you tell the folks who it is? We're talking football with Andrew Whitworth, offensive lineman, captain of the Los Angeles Rams. Which what a world! What a world! Um, we, we, what Stephen Dubner last week deep in the freakonomic scene, and now we're going deep in the NFL, baby. We're getting schematic with it. I love it. Decided schematic advantage for the trap draw. So Andrew, um, as you'll hear, I, I list some of his accomplishments, on-field accomplishments at, at the beginning of our conversation. Um, but beyond that, he, he's an avid golfer and uh, just a great dude. Um, was the Los Angeles Rams 2018 Walter Payton Man of the Year award winner. Uh, was a captain in Cincinnati, is a captain in Los Angeles. And uh, I think you know, Neil, you having played football, I, I know this is a big thrill just to be able to talk football. I grew up a big Bengals fan. You know, Whitworth was such a big part of a lot of those, I mean, really good Bengals teams, relatively speaking, but they were making playoffs. Uh, so th- this one is one I know we were both looking forward to. Yeah, I think being able to, um, I guess, understand how football Pro football, college football. I mean, some of the stuff translates, some of it doesn't. It's they're two totally different leagues and stuff. But um, you know, I'm not the biggest football sicko. You know, after I stopped playing, I kind of mm-hmm. I follow it closely. I know about it, but I'm not like uh, you know reading the draft day diaries and stuff um, like I probably was when I was younger. But it's always nice to talk like have an educated conversation about football, and it's more so about the scheme and like coaching styles and some of that stuff than than it is about just like you know, wins and losses and, and, um, highlights. Yeah. Um, so I, I hope, uh, I hope everybody enjoys the conversation before we get to it. Neil, I have one question for you. What do you, what do you got? What's the one item in your bag that you're going to use the most during a round of golf? Dude, that's a, that's an answer. I know it's, it's my range finder. Oh man. I didn't know if you were going to get it or not. Well, you know, listen, I, I did learn from the last time. <laughs> uh, many thanks. Uh, it, it is a range finder and the official range finder of no laying up is precision pro range finders from precision pro golf. Uh, all golfers need a range finder that they can trust to know the precise distance to their target for nearly every shot, whether you're on the tee box or in the fairway. Uh, as, as I said, it's, it's a great range finder, the official one of no laying up, even the C-suite, you know, from the C-suite to us strap boys, we all carry them. They're a perfect combination of performance and price. 
Right now, listeners of this podcast can receive an extra $20 off Precision Pro Golf Rangefinders by using the coupon code TRAPDRAW at checkout. TRAPDRAW, all, all one word, at checkout. Um, more than that, Neil, I know this is uh, probably the best perk for me, at least. I'm sure you feel similar, simil, similarly. I can never say that word. Uh, Precision Pro Golf is the only rangefinder that offers free battery replacement services. So you're not only getting a rangefinder, you're signing up for lifetime service. How great is that, Neil? Hell yes. Uh, so go to precisionprogolf.com. Use coupon code TRAPDRAW at checkout for $20 off uh, your favorite rangefinder. Again, that's precisionprogolf.com. Coupon code TRAPDRAW. Swing with confidence. Hit more greens with Precision Pro Golf. We thank them for their sponsorship, and now on to our conversation well, with Andrew Whitworth. After Neil says what <laughs> I, he needs to I say, I will say we did the NLE census. We like survey the audience. Precision Pro coming up a bunch as uh, it, it's people calling them out as like, "Hey, bought the uh, rangefinder, love it." It's is, it's legitimately has been the best addition, which my was golf encouraging because yeah. it's like I hope you know people are you know I guess buying, but like truly, I was like, oh, good. I'm. Are you happy with your Porsches? For sure. Yeah. So anyway, yeah. shout out to Precision Pro. Good on them. Good on you guys. Thank you for supporting the people that support us. And uh, Neil, can I now throw it to our conversation? Yes, but you didn't thank Mr. Jeezy yet. And thank you, Mr. Jeezy. All right. Good afternoon, Andrew Whitworth. Uh, just some some quick facts for people. Thirty uh, eight year old offensive tackle for the Los Angeles Rams, uh, four time Pro Bowler, two time first team All Pro, two thousand eighteen Walter Payton Man of the Year for the L A Rams. Uh, you won a national championship at LSU in two thousand three. You were an all all SEC player, high school All-American, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, but, but more than that, and the reason we're talking to you or part of the reason why we're talking to you today is you're also an avid golfer. So welcome to the Trap Draw. It's great to have you. Uh, how are things down where you are? I appreciate it, fellas. Uh, you know what? Things are all right. You know, just hunkered down with the family uh, out in L.A. and, um, you know, just waiting for the opportunity to get back out on the golf course. Andrew, did we miss anything on that resume? Any any uh, uh, any notable omissions? You know, uh, I like to admit all of it. So you know, <laughs> I, no, there's no notable omissions. Um, the more I, I hear those over the years, I just realize I'm getting really old. So uh, those dates keep uh, just creeping themselves back there. To think I won the national championship uh, almost 17 years ago now is uh, pretty crazy. Well, one thing I I left out, and <laughs> it's a good as a good a place as any to start on your Wikipedia page. It says you were a tennis champion in Louisiana, uh, in, in your oh, youth. Man. I'm curious, what did you win and, and how good were you at tennis? Oh man. Uh, <laughs> you know what? This, this story's podcast. Sure. Um, you know what? I, uh, I actually didn't win any championships in tennis. So this is how this happened. I'm at LSU. And you get there, and they're trying to build your resume, right? So that they want people to see on the on the, the book when they send it out of LSU Tigers, you know, what you were doing and how they recruited you there and all that. And the sports director asked me, hey, you know, is, is there any other sports you play? So I was like, well, you know what? I grew up, my dad's an avid tennis player. that I grew up playing tennis. I said, you know what? I think I won a couple little things here or there <laughs> playing tennis. And by that, I meant like I went to some tennis camps and won some tennis camps. Like, hey, you know, like at the end of the camp, everybody plays each other. I, like, win a tennis camp. 
And so, you know, and that's all we really wrote is that he'd won some tournaments when he was a kid. And over the years, just year by year, it, it's grown from a tennis camp to like tennis regional champion to like tennis state champion when he was in high school. You know, and it's like every year I have to fend off this question of my tennis championships and how many trophies I got in my room. And it's like, you know what? The reality is, guys, calm down. I won one tennis camp <laughs> in Monroe, Louisiana, uh, you know, once. And I think I got a popsicle for it or like some extra Little Caesars pizza or something. But that, that was it. That, that's, the, that's, the, that's the epitome and just the, the top that my tennis career went to. That Andrew, that speaks to me. I I played football at Columbia, and same deal. They ask you like, "What's your bio?" And you know, my my dad put in there like won the Tough Nut Award in high school. It's like, what what is the Tough Nut Award? You know, like it doesn't. It's meaningless, right? Like plays the drums. Okay, cool. So, and then that's that's like, you know, there's still the Columbia bio out there in the in the ether that that people can go look at. And uh, it, it's funny how those things kind of uh, spiral out of control. Oh, man, no question. Well, let me ask you, you obviously played tennis growing up. Did you uh, did you play golf as a youngster? I didn't really. I really probably like in high I would guess somewhere around sophomore, junior year in high school, I started going out with just buddies like, you know, once every you know couple months we'd need something to do and talk our parents and then dropping us off at a golf course. Um, you know, somewhere where, you know, like the weeds, on the tee box you can barely see your ball but you know it's like uh you know it's just a, a good old airport side you know beside the airport golf course um so I, I think we played there like here or there in high school not very much and then when i moved when actually when i got to college is really when i started playing a lot and i uh went to college with another buddy of mine we grew up together playing each other in high school and then played with each other in college and then both have had really long careers in the nfl and kyle williams and um, Kyle Williams is a tremendous golfer. And when I got to college, he was playing, had grown up playing, and was really good. And so I started going with him. Just uh, We roomed together in college, and we'd go to the LSU golf course and hit balls on the range and play some. And, man, he's uh, he's really good. I think he's a plus-one scratch golfer, and he's tremendous. So Randy and I did a uh, video for, with no laying up. We do a series called Strapped where we go play budget golf around the country. And we did one in Louisiana, and we started in Baton Rouge. We played uh, City Park. Have you ever yeah. played out there? Oh, yeah, yeah the, uh, the little yeah. nine hole. <laughs> yeah, yeah. we yeah. we went out there and, and uh, played that nine hole loop a couple times. Uh, we didn't get to the, the LSU course, though. How's that track? Well, it's unbelievable. You know, the actual course, I guess it's the, the teams now, um, is is really good. But, you know, uh, the actual one on campus, I'm not even sure if it's still there now. Because um, I know where it was, they built the new uh, LSU softball uh, arena and all that. So I don't know if they've moved it or if it's, you know, if it's gone now. But it was, uh, it was right on campus and just, you know, it wasn't ever the team's course, but it was just a little public course on campus and man it was it was it was a lot of fun it was for a public you know course and 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 just kind of a little college campus course it was it was a lot of fun we had a big time and you know um met a lot of people actually back in the day patrick reed uh you know was in baton rouge and uh kyle and i used to play with him when he was 11 12 13 years old uh we play with him all the time out there at the the lsu golf course so i always uh laugh about that i thought he was a little cocky punk when he's 12 but gosh he was good 
Yeah. He was really good. He, you know, just that little twelve-year-old came out there and show you how to hit every shot, and you just want to body flame him. Show you how, and probably tell you how to hit it too. Oh man, unbelievable! Uh, well, I, I just have this mental image for anybody that doesn't know. Kyle Williams is. Um, you said he was your your roommate at LSU, uh, an exceptional defensive yeah. tackle in the NFL as well. Uh, he's his, or at least his playing uh, stats were listed at six one, three hundred pounds. I know you're Andrew. I think what six seven probably 300, 310 yourself. I'm, yeah, <laughs> I did this mental image of you two with, you know, little Patrick Reed is, uh, that's, that's, oh. that's delightful to picture. Oh man. And just bombing it over us. <laughs> yeah. old too. So, well, how would you, des- how would you describe your game these days? Are you a, are you a bomber? Do you have, you have touch around the greens? Like what would you say your strengths and weaknesses are? Um, I would say probably, yeah, I mean, I definitely can bomb a golf ball. Um, I would say for me, it really comes down to, you know, if you really look at our calendar, basically after now moving out to LA has changed a little bit. I get to hit some because of the weather. I'll go out every now and then. But really for me over the years, it's been as soon as July, really late July, be the last time I'll play. And then I don't play again until really the season's over and I kind of recover. So usually, you know, late January or February. So really, I'm getting a good, you know, six months in usually. Um, and so for me, really, the first part of the year, you know, getting off the tee better. You know, if I can hit fairways and stuff, the game starts to come around. But, you know, big guy swinging it hard, you know, you miss some fairways getting it started until you loosen up a little bit. But, you know, yeah, I, I would say, you know, I usually stay somewhere between a, a five index and a and an eight maybe. It, you know, eight would be the worst, and that's usually in the early months when I get back to playing and then, I'll get down to, you know, usually a four or five somewhere in there. Last summer, I think I got down to like a four, two index or something. But, um, you know, I, I, I hit it well off the tee, but actually really just, I, I do a good job of not making big, big numbers. So I, I could find a way to get, as I always say, I, I can find a way to get it in the hole. So, uh, you know, get it somewhere close and get it in there and avoid the doubles and triples and just, you know, let bogey be the bad one. I mean, that's, that's, that's the secret right that's, there. That's my dream. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I just, I don't, you know, I don't hit enough fairways regular enough to score a lot. That's the problem. So my game is made up of, you know, my great rounds are really uh, a ton of pars, you know, to where I've just like almost parred every hole and then I got a, you know, bad hole here or there. Yeah. You know, if I've, if I've ever had my best rounds, it's like, you know, I've hit, I've hit 73, 74 a few times each summer and, it's usually made up of just a ton of pars and, you know, mixing a birdie or two in there. Uh, um, I, I imagine, do you watch a lot of golf when you're, when you're able to? Oh yeah. Yeah. I watch them all, you know, especially football season. It's, it's fun to watch whenever we get some downtime to watch a little golf, just to relax. And, you know, I'm uh, laid up or something, but you know, also in the off season. Yeah. I mean, I love watching uh, on TV and, and uh, playing around the golf and then playing a little bit. Now, being on Pacific time, you know, you get to kind of watch some of these tournaments and go out and play on Sunday afternoon. So that kind of makes it nice as well. Yeah, I, w- I was going to say, I would imagine the move from Cincinnati to Los Angeles has helped your golf game and your golf fandom uh, probably in a few ways. But I, when you watch golf, I, so I'm I'm six seven. Uh, basketball was, was my sport. But when I watch golf, I just have a hard time – relating i guess to to many people out on tour you know there aren't many people that that look like me and then you know i picture you're just as tall as i am uh carrying a little bit more weight but do, do you ever I'm, I'm curious who you who you look to or who you most like to watch play um given that you know a, a, none of those guys out there look anything like you 
Yeah, I think it's tough from that standpoint to really uh, <laughs> learn much from their <laughs> swings and how they can stand. You know, it's like my favorite. I, I'm like when I say I'm a golf guy, like I, I may not have played a bunch of courses like most people, but when I say I'm an avid golfer, like I'm the guy. I'm, I'm at bed, going to bed at night, you know, watching like 42 different instructional instructional videos on YouTube <laughs> or my phone or like every night of the week. I mean, this is you know to the point where my wife's not worried about me like you know, being on social media apps, she's like, can you please stop watching golf apps? Like, you know, it's like, okay, all right, I'll stop. Uh, but yeah, I mean, for me, it's, it's hard to watch some of that stuff. And then also trying to teach yourself, um, because a lot of the way those guys can move, how they're built, um, just, to, I mean, there's no way for me to relate to it. Right. So it's, it's, um, unfortunately it, it's difficult because some of those positions, like I'm just flat out never getting to, um, unless I shave half my body off and, um, you know, so it, it's a little difficult, but I, you know, I don't know that I have a favorite guy, So obviously, I mean, you know, love watching Tiger grew up, you know, obviously as a young kid watching him play and, um, I've always been a massive fan, but from afar and actually got a chance to walk with him a couple of years at Riviera the last few years, but you know, that's been really cool to do, but obviously I love a guy like Rory. I mean, seeing somebody hit stature and size and being able to hit the golf ball the way he does and really just uh mashes uh it's fun to watch him play and, and kepka you know is more of an athletic kind of big you know powerful guy I like watching him you know so you know I, lo- I like watching all the top guys you think of but you know one of my favorites right now i gotta throw a shout out to, to my guy sam burns you know he's a Definitely. north Louisiana guy and a buddy of ours me and kyle got to play with him last summer and uh you know what always rooting for sam yeah i'm always and you i'm i'm a huge fan of rory as well i'm always blown away the way TV makes him look uh, bigger. Every time I mm-hmm. see him in person, I'm blown away by he's not tall. I'm like, God, he looks. I, the camera really does, and it, it, and he carries himself like what his does he stature. Do? Does, he, does and, he give him a little side change? Does he give him a little side change to film him from <laughs> I down don't, under? I don't what, know. What they, well, it's sometimes it's like they always have an underneath view of it. It's you like, know, it's, well, like it's, always, it's like coming from the grass. I think time. it's it's like it's, Tom Cruise. Uh, the, the the movies to shoot Tom yeah. Cruise. Or, well, it's it's yeah. also. The you know none of the other guys are are very big, but it's like when I'm watching the MJ documentary, when you see MJ on the court with the other NBA players, he doesn't look very big, and mm-hmm. then you see him yeah. in all this off the court behind the scenes stuff, or when he's getting interviewed by somebody and he's just towering over people, and, and it's the same way with like Steph Curry, he looks tiny on the court, but he's like six three. Yeah. So when you see him out in yeah. the real world, um, so I think that has something to do with it with Rory, but you're absolutely right. Like watching him him uh, move it is is unbelievable. I'm curious where do where do you play in LA now that you've you're living out there? So we live uh, out at Sherwood Country Club, um, so I play at Sherwood. Uh, I'm a member there, and so we mostly most of my rounds I play at Sherwood, and then uh, I play a lot out at Bel Air Country Club. I have some friends that are members there, and um, you know, and get a chance to play over there some. But you know, last couple of years I've gotten re- really cool to play in the uh, pro am at uh, Riviera and the Genesis. And so it's, uh, that's been a lot of fun to get to go and kind of walk with some of those guys and play with some of them. And, um, been a lot of fun for me, but you know, there's plenty of good golf out in LA. That's for sure. Opportunity to name drop. You got any, who's, who's in the foursome at Sherwood? Who do you, who do you, who do you play with regularly? <laughs> <laughs> Opportunity to name drop. Uh, well, here's the thing, being the old guy on the team and, uh, you know, the cap, I, I, I usually am, am, Putting the bill for the young guys to get to come out here and play some play at a cool course. So uh, you know, 
you know, Jared Goff usually a regular because uh, him and I obviously have a really good relationship, and um, you know, he he loves golf. He's really gotten into it in the last couple of years and just started playing and kind of really getting obsessed with it. He he loves it, and and so he he comes and plays with me, and then um, our uh, you know performance director Reggie Scott comes out and plays with me a lot, and Tyler Williams is an athletic trainer for us, and then I've had I've had a bunch of the guys, much you know Tyler Higby, a bunch of our teammates have been out. Um, obviously, you know, this place is, is the, uh, the mayor is, is Wayne Gretzky, the great one. So you see him and his group playing every day and I've gotten a chance to play with him some, but you know, he's, he's the, he's the governor, mayor, whatever you want to call him of the club. That's for sure. <laughs> uh, well, we, Neil and I just had a chance to get out to LA again, filming our series. Uh, if you're ever looking for a good public track, we loved, uh, Griffith park right there in LA. We played the, the Wilson course, yeah. um, Okay. Yeah, <laughs> but you, you guys probably have a good time sure, at Sherwood. Just, yeah. Yeah. I, play, Sherwood's I play the uh, <laughs> I play the Westlake Village uh, for a while. There. Oh so yeah. Well, speaking of um, yeah. where Gankus is, yeah. If you're looking yeah, at instructors, oh, yeah. oh, God, we got to get you up there. See, gotta, <laughs> have you have you uh, done anything with Gankus? Any lessons? So we've talked a lot, but I've never actually had a lesson with him. Oh, I would love God. to. We uh, we haven't actually done it yet. But yeah, I, so I used to hit range. So funny story when I first got out here. I didn't, uh, I, I obviously couldn't join Sherwood yet. I was trying to figure out kind of my lay, you know, lay of the land out here and our facilities out here right down the street, probably 10 minutes where our training facility is. And so I would go to Westlake Village Golf Course and I, and I'd heard of him through buddies and golf and all that. And, you know, they're telling me about him. So I start following him and, you know, I'm sitting at night watching his lesson and stuff. So I'm like, Hey, I, you know what? I'm going to start doing it. I'm just going to go to the range and I'm going to just get right beside wherever he's teaching people and just listen. <laughs> So, you know, I'd get over there and just hit balls, and I'm like, you know, trying to act like I'm buying time and stuff, you know, but I'm really just listening to everything he's saying to people. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, I, I, I was a big fan. You watch that guy. He, he, man, he does a tremendous job with people, and uh, we haven't linked up yet, but we need to for sure. Well, so we did a, a – we do a travel series as well, and we took an RV from L.A. to San Francisco last year, and our first stop was to see Gankus, and he probably did – I mean, he gave us like two hours of his time spent at least 45 minutes with Randy and uh we should send you the video because at for you know someone who's who's uh about the same height it might help you out too just trying to help Randy get some speed the big guy (laughs) has been driving the ball like I've never seen before the last six months so I think I think Gankus is has has some tips for uh for someone your height yeah I was I was I love it yeah I'm I'm a disciple of of George's now he and just such a great dude too like he he cracks me he cracks me up um he is, man. He's hilarious. Yeah. Uh, well, Andrew, do you mind if we uh, – can we venture a little bit into the world of football? Do you mind if we uh, yeah. ask you some questions? Uh, I, and I guess where I wanted to start was, you know, I, I think of all the sports and all the positions, I would think offensive linemen is one of the most underappreciated, unsung positions. Um and I, my question with that is, did you always want to be a lineman uh, or how, how did, how did that come to, how, how did your, you know, how, how did you get to be on the line? Well, I don't think any lineman, you know, ever dreamed of being one. Okay. Uh, All right. That, yeah. See, that's what, that's, that's uh, what my question is. No, no, I know, but that's the truth. You know, we all, we all, uh, we all believe ourselves to be athletes and uh, you know, some of them actually are. But uh, the majority of us are just, you know, the big, heavy, strong guy that always protected our little friends in high school. And so, you know, the, the truth is, is you, uh, you know, for me, I was a tight end in high school. 
and uh, got to actually touch the football and, and uh, you know, catch it and all those good things. And then eventually my senior year in high school, you know, just after talking to a lot of schools and all the teams that had offered me and, and different things, it was like, you know what, a lot of, a lot of those colleges all saw me as being a tackle, uh, being a left tackle for them. And so I made the change my senior year in high school to become a lineman. And, um, you know, I still, you know, wish that I could catch passes or throw passes or do anything athletically. But I'm, uh, you know what? I've really loved it and enjoyed it. And it's been awesome, man. It's, it's, uh, it's amazing to get to be in a position like that where, you know, you're literally just serving the guys around you. And, and, uh, you know what? You're setting the tone for your team and, and those kind of things. And what's fun about offensive line plays in the NFL to me is you really look at the great ones. It's about consistency over time, right? And it's like playing and play out, doing their job, executing and blocking their guy, whether their guy makes a play in the run game or whether their guy makes a play in the pass game, you know, is on them. It's a lot of one-on-one matchups. And so me, where golf has really helped me and where I've really played golf a ton, um, really since I got in the league is, is, you know, I've really correlated to in the sense of when I play in an NFL football game, you know, there's 60, 70 plays. You know, how many of those plays um, can I check off as I did my job? And when I'm playing golf, it's like, hey, you know what? I'm going out and I'm saying, all right, if I'm, if I'm going to have, you know, 50, 60, 70 swings, whatever it is in a, in a golf round, how many of those can I execute my technique and what, how it gets hit the golf ball, how I want to hit it, you know, consistently throughout a round of golf? And, and football is no different in the sense of playing off at the line is executing my technique as many times as possible in a row will lead to me having a great football game. And so that's where really, to me, the mentality of those two sports has helped me uh, really with the focus of technique and doing things the right way. Yeah, so when you first got in the league, what what do you think your uh, biggest asset was as a lineman? And then since you've been in the league now, is it 17 seasons or 14? Uh, it's 15, 15. 15, yeah. What do yeah, you think you've, yep. what part of your, your technique or your game has improved the most? I would say as an athlete, I've improved. I mean, when I got in the, in the league, I was uh, probably six, seven, about, you know, I would say probably going into my rookie camp, 340, uh, 345. I was a big fella. And, uh, you know, it was, uh, if I got my hands on you, it was over with. Um, I was just big, strong, and a mauler. And I couldn't move that well. I was real stiff. And, um, you know what, I just, if I, if I was able to get my hands on people and, and people run into me, which they kind of do in football, uh, I could do really well because, um, I was really, I have really long arms, was really strong and, um, you know, came from a really good weight program at LSU and, you know, it was really powerful. And then over the years, really to continue to play in the league, you look at how the league's changed so much at that time, you know, really quarterback still played a lot. A lot of offenses, you're still under center. You weren't as much shotgun. You weren't spreading the field very much. It was a lot of ground and pound and, and pl- throw play actions and those kind of things. And so you really kind of, you, you lived in that world and it could do pretty good that way. And, and then as the league evolved, really it's become more athletic and, and, you know, these defensive ends are just, man, just unbelievably how freaky athletic and powerful they are nowadays and, and really the way the ball spread around. So you, you look climbing and tackles, especially have gotten more and more athletic as the years have gone on. And so really for me, it was slimming down some, it was getting, you know, moving better and getting my, you know, functionality of movement better and flexibility, all those things. And so now I would say early in my career, I was just a big mauler. And now I'd say, 
that I can move a whole lot better in space. I, I uh, you know, athletically can play and, and I, you know, shoot, I, I would joke around all the time. I think I could run a faster 40 now than I did when I came out. I was, I was, I was big and, and stiff when I, when I got in the league for sure. Well, that was one of our questions. What was your 40 time at the combine? <laughs> <laughs> oh, uh, let's see. I want to say like a five, one, three or five, one, maybe somewhere in there. And uh, I was probably 340 or 338, something like that. <laughs> Jeez. Do you think you could break five now? Um, You know, yeah, I think I could. I think I could at least get in the, in the 5-0 range for sure. It's funny how that, that is, could. you know, it was such, even growing up in high school and college, how important the 40, how it would loom over me. I played D-back, and it was just like, God, I got I to gotta have a good 40 time. And then, like, it doesn't really matter, though. Uh, like for a pro, like you've d- you did it one time, and then you've never done it since, right? It's like this this uh, marquee stat that then is never really tested again once you're in the league. Yeah, and you know what? It, it doesn't hold a lot of correlation, and that's where you see a lot of people fight back on the combine stuff because even the strength stuff. I mean, there, there's not many guys that I can think of in our locker room, really, over the years that I've played with, where I'd go, "Man, this guy's like a killer bench presser," or you know what, they have an awesome 40, and they were made him a great football player. I mean, a lot of guys, it's really the, the, the combination of everything, and I think that's kind of what I've more streamed to later in my career, you know, how the body's moving, like is everything functionally strong, not necessarily like in a weight room, having to like press a ton of weight or squat a whole bunch. Um, like I probably haven't done like heavy back squat in, I don't know, seven, eight years. I mean, it's, you know, it's like – I don't even do any of that type stuff anymore. And um, it doesn't affect play. It's really about functional movement and strength and, and moving things the right way. And so I think it's funny how you build your whole entire life. I mean, everything with high school, college to this day. I'm going to run. I'm going to, you know, bench. I'm going to do all these things. And then, you know, literally none of them have anything to do with whether you can make it in the NFL. Yeah. I, I think after I stopped playing football, I, I just don't lift a ton of free weights anymore. I, I My hips started to – feel so much better once I quit. Well, I lost weight, but also just not putting a ton of just heavy pressure on them. Um, so, yeah. and I got to think that over your career, you start to to feel that way as well. I'm curious though, um, from a blocking, from a scheme, a schematic standpoint, <laughs> what's your favorite kind of block? Like what, what do you look forward to when that play gets called in the huddle? Um, you know, I think obviously for, for, Lyman, you, you always want to run play because pass play is the only time we can ever get blamed for anything. Yeah. And, uh, you know, it's like, oh, man, nobody's open and the quarterback can't find anybody open and our guy gets there and it's the Lyman's fault. Uh, but, you know, but then there's obviously plays for Bansky. But uh, I would say really for me, I, I like blocking in space. So I like I like plays where we're tossing out on the edge. Um, I like plays. Uh, I like being away on zone plays. I love double teaming, you know, the backside of plays and trying to get up and get that extra guy because a lot of zone plays cut back to you. Um, even though they're not really running towards you, they're running, they're coming back to you. And so uh, being able to manipulate the defense and understand, you know, what gap they're supposed to be in and how you can manipulate it and get those cutback lanes for the running back. So I, I love zone blocking, uh, really front side or back side, but that's really my favorite. Um, you know, when I was younger, I, I came in the, in the league, we ran a lot of just downhill leads and powers and the physicality of the game used to be, and that used to be a lot of fun as well. I just haven't, you know, really played in that kind of offense in a long time, but, um, I, you know, physicality for an O lineman, if, if any of them say they don't, they don't enjoy that part of it, then they, they probably aren't lasting very long. So, 
definitely the physicality runs. You know, you give me a chance to be physical and, and uh, pound it up in there. Uh, we always enjoy that. God, I love it. Getting to the second level. That's my nightmare <laughs> as a free safety. Uh, I, so, it, and it warms my heart to hear you say you love getting out on the edge. Do you have any, in, a, in recent memory, any uh, uh, example or like your favorite where you've gotten out in space and just detonated a, a free safety or a, or a corner? Like anything that comes to mind? Because I love seeing that on film when, when the when the big fella's downfield and you just see like, like when I they're remember driving them into the bench oh on God, the sideline. Oh my God, Man, screen pass and this uh, guy's out in space, and I gotta, I gotta make him, I gotta make him, I gotta slow him down until the cavalry gets here. <laughs> I do. I, I have, uh, I have some good ones. You know, over the years, you know, for us big guys, we get out there at the right point, and DBs make the wrong decision. Like, you know, like, hey, most of the time they're <laughs> going to take their legs out, yeah, or they're gonna, or they're gonna like kind of find a way to kind of slip you and just oops, they didn't make the tackle. <laughs> and uh, but every, but every now and then. You know, you get one where just in the moment they kind of hesitate and decide to be aggressive, and um, it usually doesn't end up well for them when that happens. And so, yeah, I've, I've had a couple of years where I got lucky and a guy decided to take me on, and I was full steam ahead. And uh, you know what, they look fun. I mean, I, unfortunately, one of my former LSU guys, uh, Tyron Matthew, I had a good one against him and the Cardinals years ago. Um, Sean McVay, probably his favorite, you know, just because he loves making fun of me, is uh, we played the Minnesota Vikings two years ago on Thursday Night Football. And um, we actually, on like a second and long, gave I, I actually Daniel Hunter uh, and I are going against each other and end up, you know, we can't find anybody. He ends up getting by me and we get, get the sack to go off. And so I'm mad about it. And he calls a, a I call it a release screen, but. Basically, uh, one of those screens where the quarterback takes it and dumps it off the receiver really fast, and the lineman kind of release out and get in front of him. And so he calls that just to kind of get you know third and long. And so it's really you know at that point we had a big lead and it wasn't really a chance. Take a chance. Let's just try this play. See if we can catch it and run for it first down. And uh, I'm obviously just you know on absolute a thousand on anger level because I'm mad because I've been playing great this whole game. We're killing these guys, and I just gave up this stupid sack and so I'm mad about it and he snaps it gives it I get out in front and the DB decides he's going to take me on and I actually am at a perfect angle where uh you know what Harrison Smith is coming down behind him and so I'm able to launch the nickel actually I got underneath him and, and I caught it perfect and launched him into the safety <laughs> and so I was actually able to throw one DB into the other and they both like pancakes on the ground and uh, that's Sean's favorite because he just he loves one bringing up the fact that give up the fact because anytime he can take a shot at me he wants it. And uh, you know I'm older than him, so he has to be you know he has to come at his elders. Yeah. So um, he he loves that play. But yeah, I was able to knock them both down, and we almost actually like a ankle tackle. I think by D lineman or somebody chasing the play. I think it was Daniel Hunter actually. Just a tremendous play. He catches the foot of the receiver, and it would have been just a house call. There's nobody left. And um, you know, that's one of those you, – you love those kind of plays. Which we get a chance to get on the edge and take it out on the little guys every now and then, you know. Yeah, definitely. They, they spend their time running from us, and we can't catch them. And, and so anytime you get a chance to hit them head on, it's fun. So uh, I guess funny coincidence, my uh, older brother, Tron, and I are from Atlanta, and we went to high school with Sean McVay. So okay. my brother was in his class. They won the state championship. And then McVeigh, uh, I was in eighth grade at the time. Then he coached. He coached me at Alan Chadwick, that's our high school coach. Alan Chadwick flag football camp, and uh, <laughs> oh, wow. was 
like the best coach. Oh, I'm sure he was scheming it up at the Unbelievable. flag <laughs> I was playing quarterback for him. And so like, and we had this one game where we came all the way back. And then the next day, like calls me out in front of the camp is like, you know, like led, you know, led the troops back. And, and I just remember he was like so energetic and put everything like I, it's vivid memories for me of like how good of a flag football coach he was. And I'm curious, one, is he still that way with, with the pros like with you guys and two, uh, like, what's it like, you know, like you mentioned, he's younger than you. Like, how does a guy like that come in and get respect and kind of command the locker room? Like how, what would that process look like early on? Yeah, I would say that it's very similar uh, to what you're describing. His energy and his passion is easily uh, noticeable. And I think it's one of those things I always say, you know, when we first got here and we're all together, cause I got here with him. He said, I was one of his first free agents um, when he signed on as coach. And so, you know, I always tell people, like, you can literally walk – if you know anything about ball or anything about coaching or influence, it doesn't even have to be football, influencing people and teaching, you can spend five minutes in a room with that guy and you'll walk away and go, wow, he's different. Um, because his energy and just the infectious this belief he has in what he's going to do and how you're going to do it and in you – uh, making you feel confident in, in the plan and, and also in confident in yourself. Uh, he just has a tremendous ability to do it, and, it, and it's rare. And so it doesn't matter the age. It doesn't matter experience. When you meet people like that and you hear them talk and you hear the way they go about their business, you immediately have a, a high level of respect for them and, and a belief in them just because they're rare. And, and you see those people throughout time in different industries. And, and Sean's one of them. I was telling somebody this the other day that regardless of how things go, um, I this year with me coming back and, and really over the next couple of years, I, I know that whether I'm here or not, Sean McVay is going to be successful. I mean, you, you meet him, you know, he's one of those rare people. That's just uh, his mentality, how he's built, how he does things. He, he does them the right way and he has the right intentions and the right heart. He's, He's going to have success no matter what. Is he – so your college coach was Nick Saban. Uh, it, I, I have to think – they seem like they'd be on the total opposite ends of like personality spectrum. But maybe that's not – you know, maybe that's just Coach Saban's public persona. It is yeah. wh- wh- how, how is Saban day-to-day compared to kind of the image that, that we see? You know, he's just kind of mechanical and, and flat and yeah. – um, is does a guy like him and a guy like Coach McVay do, do they have a lot of commonalities? Uh, I believe so. I, I I think that you know I think that really when you talk about personality, yeah, I think Nick Saban and, and Sean McVay are different. Um, I think Nick has more personality than he sometimes shows people for sure, but I think that they're different in that way. But when you're talking about the intensity, the coaching, the day in and day out passion. Um, to do things the way Nick does them and, and is, is just down the line every single day, things are done a certain way with a certain kind of intent and passion. Um, you have to be wired a certain way. And I've always said since I met Sean that I thought he was wired like that, that he was wired really special to have a daily, every single day, an intent and a passion to go about his work and his business in a way that's just not normal. Like most people just can't do it. They might have, intense moments like a lot of coaches i've been around say oh man they're good at you know being intense today or being intense in a certain situation that's needed for them 
but they don't necessarily always have that passion and intensity every single day that never wavers. And Sean McVay's that way. It never wavers. He is just as intense every single day. And uh, Nick Saban was the only other person I'd been around that I felt that from every day like that. And so I, I think that they're very similar in that way. That, that, that you know, Sean just is so young that there's so many things he hasn't experienced yet in those things that I always joke with people. I'm like, yeah, their personalities are different, but like, don't be, don't kid yourself. This guy is just like that. And in one day, if he continues coaching and being, he will be the same. He will be, you know, in, in charge of everything, you know, and be on top of everything you can think of. I mean, the guy already now, like you talk to defensive players, you know, across the league, offensive, is what Sean's known for. You talk to any guy that plays on our defense, they'll tell you that Sean McVay knows the defense as good as anybody in the building. I mean, he he is that intense. Like, he, he doesn't just study what he does. He studies what everybody's doing. And he's going to know everything that needs to be done to be successful. And that's why I say it's just hard-pressed to see this guy and not think, man, one way or another, he's going to be really successful. Yeah, what sticks out to me about McVay is the positivity and, like, you know, oh, yeah. p- pulling on my – coaches I didn't you know I had this staff at Columbia that was just like very negative right it was a lot of it was a lot of the stick not a lot of the carrot not a lot of like the building up of confidence I'm curious though with McVeigh, have you seen him get mad or how does he you know if things aren't going well like what's his um you know because you see Saban Saban will dog cuss people like that's kind of the the public you know you see a little bit more of that from him I, I don't think I've seen anything with McVeigh where he's like really you know, trying to get pe- stuff out of people from a from the negative angle or from just the ang- you know an anger level. Yeah, no, it's very much that attitude, and, and that's what's great about it. Is, is it's you know we've had different guys join us over the last couple of years being here, and, and you know just the building and how things are done and really carry yourself is, is special, man. There's a positivity and just an excitement that uh, it's pretty rare. I mean, and, and guys just, you know, enjoy coming to work and enjoy being there. And he's able to keep things like that all the time, regardless of, of really how things go. Now, granted, we've won a lot and, and had a lot of success and, um, in these three years. But, you know what, he's just able to keep things in a way where guys are excited to do their job. And I, and I think it's um, it's different, but it's, um, you know what, it's, it's what he kind of carries. Everyone's got their thing, right? I mean, if it's Nick Saban, it's really, uh, I always say he loves these tirades. Like Nick, Nick loves, like, <laughs> you know, like people think, oh man, Nick's this jerk. And it's like, no, it's like this dude, he, he knew what he was going to do. Like he knew, all right, I got it planned in my mind. One guy shows up a minute late. I'm going to just destroy him. It's- and I'm going to make sure everybody knows that that's unacceptable. Or this guy, you know, oh wait, we got some guys that are overweight. Tell me the guy who's struggling the most. Okay, I'm going to destroy him in front of everybody and make sure that all the other guys that I may not want to address because, you know what, I, I like them a little more or they're a bigger player for us. I'm going to make sure that everybody in that room understands where I stand on this. You know, like, it, it's more calculated than people think it is. You know, it's not just eruption. Well, that's Nick's thing. Well, Sean's thing, I think, is that he really believes that he can coach and be successful and keep a positive atmosphere and a positive environment, you know, all the way through. Like, we still have people loving what they do and enjoying what they do and us have success at the same time. And, and that's one of the things I think that means a lot to him. Yeah. And I always wonder, we, I didn't win a ton of games at Columbia. We were uh, not good. But I, I think that, 
I, I always wondered why more coaches don't take that philosophy. I think there's a lot of pressure when you're losing games and, and that, you know, yep. that shit flows down basically. So everybody's feeling stressed out. They're going to lose their jobs. And then it, it kind of, you know, descends into negativity. But <clears throat> I think, you know, it's, I'm thrilled to see someone like McVay as, as kind of the darling of the NL, NFL coaching scene right now. Um, question, does, does McVay play golf? He doesn't. I, you know, it's a no, ta- no time. He's studying. He's studying. He's deep, he's deep <laughs> no, in the film room. You know, I want to win, but you know what? I want him to, to get a hobby too. So <laughs> yeah, uh, you know, I, it's what it seems like. <laughs> it's tough for me. I, you know, it's weekly. I send him a text of like a picture of Sherwood's golf course. It's just gorgeous. If you've ever been here, it's been an unbelievable setting. And so I'll send him a picture and it's like, are you sure? that what you want to do right now is just be sitting in that office. Like, why don't you come out here and hit a golf ball? You know, and so, you know, just weekly, he, you know, it's now gotten to the point he used to, like, send me, like, a ha-ha or wish I could do that. Or now he just ignores me. You know, it's like, it's like, <laughs> well, it's out. He just doesn't even text me back. When I well, him tell, right tell him the Schuster brothers say hi and that, and that you came on the uh, – he's, he's always welcome on the Trap Drop podcast. <laughs> Right, I'm first. sure he'll have tons of time for he, that. No, I, no, I'm sure. I, I, bet he, I bet he, he remembers the Schuster boy. He remembers the War Eagle Award he gave to Neil Schuster and at Marist Flag Football Camp. Come on, I got to. You know, here's what I know about him. I guarantee you this: he'd probably come on and know everything you need to know about golf and what's going on in the golfing world. <laughs> and you'd be like, "How do you know this stuff?" It's, but that's how he is. You know, he just he's one of those people that he he, uh, he he retains information really well, and he knows a little more than you think he knows all the time. Yeah. Well, the I mean, God, the video of him breaking down the Arizona Cardinals defense, like guy by guy. Like the reporter asked him, like, "What do you think of the uh, what the defense this week?" And he just goes like position by like brings up. I mean, it's unbelievable. He's an encyclopedia. Um, yep. And I also love the Gruden tie, and I'm a big big Gruden fan. Uh, I'm curious. Do you guys run Spider Two Y Banana? <laughs> we don't run Spider Two Y Banana. That's that's uh, that is probably a, a little more all Gruden tie right there. But uh, <laughs> you know, uh, I did run that when I, you know, I actually played for Jay Gruden in Cincinnati. Yeah. So uh, I have definitely ran that before and been a part of hearing that said a million times. Um, but no, I, I, uh, we don't run that here, but you know, he obviously has a great relationship with them and, and they mean a lot to him and, and, uh, success he's had as a coach for sure. All right, Andrew, um, we got just some kind of quick hitter questions for you, if, if you don't mind. Uh, and, and the okay. first one, you've protected a lot of really, uh, good quarterbacks. I, I'm not gonna, I, I want to phrase this, you know, obviously I don't want you to, throw anybody under the bus but in in your opinion who is the quarterback you've protected that had the most physical gifts yeah well i mean i would probably say that it's uh carson Palmer, uh for sure and carson had a tremendous natural gift of, of leadership and, and just he rallied around him and then obviously that arm and his arm talent man he was he had a special arm and special ability to throw the football and just be a leader and then also, you know, playing golf with him and doing other athletic things with him, man. He was a heck of an athlete. Uh, you know, a lot more than probably he, he, he couldn't he, he wasn't gonna win any foot races, let's put it that way. Uh, but he was a really good athlete. If he's gonna go play some basketball or baseball or whatever it is, you know, he'd be pretty good at it. 
There, Sorry, oh, perfect. Out there for a second. Okay, I got you. Um, I think we got most of the yeah. So Carson, Carson, get Carson it Paul, well. Well, for, yeah, no, we definitely got that. Uh, Carson Palmer and Randy. I don't know if you mentioned this, but Randy's a massive Bengals fan. He's a Cincy guy. <laughs> well, so, born and raised yeah. in Cincinnati. I, well, I didn't want to, you know, I didn't want to lead with that, but uh, we can get there. I, I got a couple more <laughs> qu- quick hitter questions for him. Uh, <laughs> what, uh, what, what's the defensive player you've most relished going up against? Oh man. Uh, you know, I think that's a tough one. I think, uh, obviously played a lot of good ones. Um, but I think, uh, probably, you know, actually relished going against it. I think it'd be really my matchup back in the day in the AFC North is James Harrison and, and Terrell Suggs. I mean, you know, I kind of fit those guys a little bit because I was a bigger, stronger player. Um, they were tremendous football players, obviously, and had a lot of success, but, I enjoyed the physicality of those matchups and getting to go against those guys uh, for a long time. So uh, I'll remember those 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 brawls, and uh, probably my body will remember them for quite some time. <laughs> Who talks the most shit? Not even, uh, not just those guys, but anybody in the league, D line wise. D line wise, you know, I don't know if a ton of guys. Frank Clark probably talks a lot. <laughs> um, Let's see. You know, you know what's funny about that? A lot of the edge rushers, I would say, you don't get a lot of smack talk of. They they know. Uh, I think a lot of those guys are elite, and um, they're just they know what a difficult task it is to get there and to win and to do those things. And I think they're just focused on the job at hand. I, I, yeah, I think I find it funny that more of your big fat guys in the middle, your big D tackles, <laughs> who are kind of uh, you know most of the time irrelevant, other than a few times a game. Um, you know what, they uh, they do most of the talking, you know, because I think it's really they don't have to run much, so they probably can breathe a little better. <laughs> and um, those guys do more of the talking, and then, you know, like the edge guys are, are doing all the rushing and the work, I would say. You know, obviously not in our case with Aaron Donald, but he's not a big guy, though. But, you know, the big the big heavier guys, they run their mouth more and, and uh, than anybody else, I would say. Is Donald the best D-lineman in the game? Uh, yeah, I mean, I don't think there's any question about that. I think he's he's pretty elite, and uh, or not pretty elite, he is elite, and kind of sets the standard uh, amongst those guys up front every year. So he's on your team, uh, but is there a nightmare matchup for you? You know, thinking about a one-on-one, is there somebody in the league that's kind of a nightmare matchup for you? Um, I mean, I think there's so many of them that are so good. Um, you know, it's hard to leave any of those guys out that are your elite rushers. Uh, i tell you a guy, I think that's, you know, been one and, and uh, this past year as a rookie is going to be good. I mean, Nick Bosa really showed he's, he's got some talent and, and he'll be a good rusher in this league for quite some time. You can tell he's built the right way and, and has the right mentality coming off the edge. Um, he's been a good football player. I wouldn't say it's a nightmare, but he, he's one that's going to be really good, but you know, I uh, I would say, man, you know, you look at these guys. I mean, Khalil Mack is just – he's unbelievable. You know, a freak of nature and, and a tremendous rusher. Uh, has had the production, you know, and, and played really well. So, I think there's a num- number of guys you could name that are, that are bad matchups for you, right? Because our job is like, hey, you, you, you block them and you stay on them as long as you can. But, 
you know, no matter what anybody says, there's always a correlation to the quarterback getting the ball out and, and where the quarterback is in the pocket and how good of a quarterback is at escaping rushers. And that's always going to be a factor no matter what. So uh, you, when you're playing the elite ones, you're hoping you've got a quarterback who's good at that, <laughs> who's good at getting the ball out, who's good at staying where they're supposed to be and getting up in the pocket and, and uh, knows what they're doing. You know, the worst The worst rushers are the ones when you're playing with a young quarterback who doesn't know what he's doing back there. Yeah. Uh, I don't care who it is. It's uh, that's when you're going to go. Oh man, it could be a guy who's not as good as others, but he's going to have a great day because he's going to luck into some things. So you're you're more uh, confident in your quarterback than you're a confident lineman. So with these guys, what, what do you think? Not uh, I guess what do you struggle with the most? Like when we think of a guy like Khalil Mack, it's like I guess it's with dudes like that, it's a combination of everything, right? Speed and strength, but. Is there a specific move some of these guys have? They're quick with their hands. They get inside. They, you know, they're able to juke you. Like, what do you think you struggle with more—the speed or the or the power stuff? Well, I think obviously being a big guy, uh, you know, a bigger player, and, and um, obviously getting up there and in age, I would say you know, speed. You know, is a hard word to use because I think that it's not straight line speed that would bother you, or um, you know, really even. Hey, this guy's you know little and fast. It's, it's guys that have a rare twitch to them, right? It's just like I always relate this. You can look at different athletes, different positions on the court uh, in basketball. I mean, and look at traits people have. I always call it you know quick twitch, twitched up guys who are you know like a great receiver who's who's tremendous at separating, right? I mean, he's, you look at some of the elite corners that, that they probably hate going against those twitchy guys that are just tough to, to handle because of their ability to change direction so fast more than anybody um, because they can catch stuff on them. And it's like, Oh man, you know, I just misreacted to that, but I was there. I just wasn't quite there in time. I mean, line play is no different. You got, you got to go. who has got a lot of quick twitch and an ability to kind of do something immediately uh, in a rush and read something and take advantage of it. Those are guys that, that you're going to worry about more. And, and really at this point in my career, you know, power or somebody's kind of, I know exactly what they're doing. I'm not that worried about them. I mean, they could have success because it just, you know, play works that way or, or you don't quite set right, but you're not that worried about it. Guys who have a rare ability to be twitchy and, and separate and kind of get away from you. You know, those are athletes at any position really that, that fear, you fear the most. Yeah. And who would you say <clears throat> at, at the, uh, at the D end position or rusher position has, is the, has the uh, Chez review award? And and by that we mean Chez is a PGA Tour player that probably gets who gets the most out of their talent, I guess. Like who has who is like who overachieves based on their physical uh, gifts. Yeah, because they're a technician or you're like, Man, how is this guy doing this? Like how is he how is he beating me right now? Or why am I struggling so much? Like on paper, this guy shouldn't be that good. Man, that's a good question. Um you know, I think you know, you look at edge play, it's gonna be more about um, you know, really, I guess in that way, it'd be more about the, the guys that are just technicians and abil- ability to just, you know, get something off of every rush and, and find something that they can do. Um, you know, I think one of those guys, you know, really you look in, in our division, um, you know, you obviously had you know, two, the group in San Fran, that group's really, really good. And, and uh, in Arizona, you know, you got Chandler Jones, who's, a tremendous rusher and, and every year is up there in the top in sacks. And then in Seattle, you got, you know, really you had Frank Clark, you got rid of him. And, and the last year they added Clowney and those guys. And, um, 
you know, I think in our division, I don't think we really have one of those type guys. I mean, <laughs> unfortunately, all of them are big, freaky, unbelievable <laughs> athletes. So you, they, they might you, not you give them all the credit in the world. <laughs> yeah. Uh, you give them all the credit in the world uh, for how good they are at what they do. Um, you know, but I, I don't know. I don't know if I really can think of one at edge. I, I think interior-wise, you get a little more of that. Um, there used to be some earlier in my career um, that, you know, I, I would say were in that list. But, you know, probably one of those guys that I would say that, that you would really look across the league that really sticks out the most to me in that way would be Vinny Curry. He, uh, you know, he was in Tampa for a little bit, but also played for, for Philly for a while. And then I think now he might actually be back in Philly. I'm not sure. Um, but he was the guy that, that played a lot of snaps. And, and it's not like when you look at his measurements that he should have these tremendous stats are tremendous things are like, oh, man, worry about this. But he, he was a very productive football player and, and uh, you know, just did his job and played well and, you know, within his system. And, and uh, he'd be a guy that I'd say, you know, definitely, you know, from a, looking at him and uh, from coming out of the combine, you probably wouldn't have said, oh, man, this guy's going to be the best player ever, you know, but and, and be productive as he is. But he, he he's definitely a very productive football player. And then one, I guess, more of a coaching question. What defensive coordinator do you think schemes things up the best these days? And over your course of your career, if you had like a, you know, if you looking back, like who do you, who would you pick as like the, uh, who who provides the decided schematic advantage? Well, I think there's there's a lot of guys out there that have been really good over the years and had a lot of success um, coaching defense. Um, but you know, obviously, a guy I was with, uh, I've just have always had a ton of respect for is Mike Zimmer. Um, you guys, you know, an awesome coach and and a great defensive coach and. Um, you know, and he's, he's somebody that I learned a lot from and, and then also just have, you know, being with him in Cincinnati and, and seeing him before in Dallas and then also, you know, now being, in, you know, somewhere else and him being a head coach and kind of realizing, talking to different offensive guys and, and whether it be Sean or whoever, you know, how, how much respect people have for him. Um, you know, he's definitely got to be one. And then earlier in my career, you know, it'd definitely be Rex Ryan. I mean, that guy, man, he was tremendous. And and when he was in Baltimore at the D.C. and then with the Jets, I mean, the ability he had to coach defense and to, and to put you in, in really just tough positions and create different – you know, he really was the first guy that, you know, I can think of that, that did all the personnel things. and Just, you know, you know, he put seven DBs out there. Or he'd put, you know, whatever it was, you know, six linemen or something. You know, he just – he would find a way to just always have you – rethinking your rules and rethinking how you schematically put things in and whether you had something covering this situation. I mean, he was so good at that, but then he was also so good at teaching his defensive players how to play the scheme the way he wanted. And so it just, man, he was a tremendous coordinator and, and really uh, always had a tremendous defense. I love that. I, I miss Rex. I, I was, when I was in school in New York, he was coaching the Jets and I just, I loved his vibe, everything. I mean, he kind of, you know, flamed out a little bit, but like, you know, maybe talk too much, but he's, he's aspirational. I hope he, I wish he would get back into the game. Oh, I agree. He, uh, he was fun for football. There's no doubt about that. Uh, Andrew, uh, Neil mentioned, I'm, I, I am a Bengals fan. Um, your time in Cincinnati was, you spent 10 years there, uh, helped lead the Bengals to six playoff appearances, but somewhat, you know, famously uh, never got past the first round. My, my question, do you think with, with a little time to reflect back on, on your time spent in Cincinnati, uh, what would you attribute that most to? I, I mean, do you think it's just misfortune or do you, do you think there's something bigger with that franchise and, and the culture around it? 
Um, no, I don't. I, I think it's you know, I think there's definitely some things you could do better um, as a franchise and leadership and all those things uh, there. But you know, you really look at those situations. We had talented football teams. Um, we had earned the right. Obviously, you have to win the games to get there. Uh, we had earned the right to play in the playoffs and beat a lot of football teams over the over really our time there to have those six playoff appearances. Um, but, you know, we never put it together. And, I mean, I don't know if you really can attribute that as a mixture of the players not, you know, playing to their potential in the playoffs as a mixture of coaching. Is there some things you could have done better? Um, and then also, you know, one thing that's not really talked about much is, you know, you look at it, if you were really that close for that long, you know, uh, you look at some of these teams that have gone and had this success, right? Um, I, I almost can't really think of any of them that didn't make some kind of addition during some of these runs. And what I mean by that is not just in the draft, but in free agency, going out and saying, hey, all right, we're really close. What if we just spent the money to add one more elite player or two elite players or made a trade to get one more elite player that would kind of send you over the hump with some just that if we could just get a tick better talent-wise, um, maybe that'll be the difference. And so I, I would say that really what, what if I looked back and said, hey, you know, obviously we had a chance to win any of those games. I mean, you look at obviously the Pittsburgh game, you had one if you don't fumble oh, the football. God. The um, Pittsburgh, oh, but, God. <laughs> PTSD yeah, I, mean, I know that would hurt. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I know no, I, but yeah, no, I'm you look sorry at a lot of those guys. games and you say, you know, you look at a lot of those games and it's like, man, all right, you know, there was a chance to win some of them. Some of them, you know what, okay, no, you weren't you weren't as good. And, and uh, But there was a lot of those games that you didn't quite – measure up and play as well as you did during the regular season so you have to own up and say that but then also now that I look at it from a position I've been in the game and uh, I've, I've seen it from a talent perspective and a how you manage a franchise perspective it interests me that we never really during that span of playing so well really jumped out there and said all right let's sign one or two free agents that maybe we think will make the ultimate difference in us being really the next great team you know, for a while. It almost seemed like we did more losing of guys through free agency um, and not really adding anybody with a lot of splash um, during that time, really more so. Because you, you see so many teams when they're close, they, they dive in. They say, uh -huh. all right, here's our window. Let's go after that window. I never got the feeling from our organization that we were going to dive in at any point and go after, you know what, here's our window, let's go get it, you know? Uh -huh. Well, uh, one thing I've always found interesting about Cincinnati uh, or I guess Mike Brown compared to, like, say, Stan Kroenke, is that most of these other owners, Kroenke being an example, they, they have wealth that they made outside of the game. And Mike Brown oh, yeah. feels like the Bengals are run much more like a business or like it's – It's it's his only business. It's his only business, Yeah, yeah, that's right? – that's, and, yeah. and people, you know, he's accused of being cheap and, and you know, doesn't – you know, like like what you're saying, like this is your opportunity, like you got to go for it. But some of these guys, when you have to do that, like you're going to spend above the the cap, and it's going to be a penalty, and you're gonna you're gonna take a hit financially. And um, he, that, the Bengals feel like the only team in the league that's actually run that way anymore. You know, which is which is a, an interesting when uh, a friend of mine from Cincinnati pointed that out to me, and I I never really thought about it that way because I always just wanted to say, oh, Mike Brown's cheap, but you know maybe there's a, yeah, a bit no, of a it's definitely different, there. yeah. No, there's definitely a difference. There's a misconception there a lot of people don't understand that, you know, having wealth from other areas and those kind of things, you know, can make a massive difference in how you run your team 
in really everything you do, not just free agency, but I mean anything in the building, how money's run, how cash comes in and out, all that, make a massive difference. So they're definitely fighting against the eight ball there when it comes to that. I mean, I mean, I would say that it's an uphill battle, you know, when, when you're like them and you're really, this is what we do. This is where our wealth comes from. You know, this is what we, you know, all we have. That's for sure. But you still have the availability through the money that you have in the cap and everything else to go get that. I mean, yeah, not yeah. that you could do it, not that you could do it all the time, but that's kind of what I mean. If you were ever going to do it, during those kind of windows when you're like, hey, man, we've, we've drafted really well. Because you really look at it. That team in Cincinnati there was literally built through the draft. Like every single one of those guys was drafted guys, all kind of at the same time were within a certain amount of years and window of being drafted. And we were having success with them. So it's like, all right, it, you know, then there's got to be – it's not like we're spending a ton of outside creating money. Then there's got to be a little money where you go, man, what if you just added one or two elite guys? You know, um, yeah. it really just took you over the hump of giving you one more guy. You know, oh, and, Randy's and, over here nodding. He's <laughs> like, "Don't let, like, don't let him off the it's hook." Like, pretty, yeah, pretty, <laughs> preach it. Well, and I was just going to point out, you know, uh, besides besides the talent on the field, the the coaching talent through there was exceptional as well. I mean, you had uh, yeah. Zimmer Amazing. and Jay Gruden and guys like that as coordinators under uh, Coach Lewis. Um, well, we're, we're kind of up against it. The last thing, uh, Andrew, we wanted to do was just a, a very quick word association. Maybe just the first word or two that pops into your mind uh, when uh, Neil and I say a couple names. No filter necessary. All right. <laughs> All right. The, All right. First one, the first one on the list is Willie Anderson. Uh, legend. Marvin Lewis. Ball coach. Joey Porter. Punk. <laughs> Vontez Perfect. Uh, fire. Greatest offensive tackle of all time. Uh, Munoz. Okay. Uh, Terrell Suggs. OG. Chad Ochocinco. Maniac. <laughs> Mike Brown. Um, old school. Uh, James Harrison. Debo. <laughs> and our, our favorite. Our, our final one. Pac-Man Jones. <laughs> oh, man. That's a, that, you know what? Um, Pac-Man. Oh, you know what? That's a hard one to give you one word for. You give it, uh, if you got a story, we are. Yeah, yeah, we'll I mean, take anything on fact. Did you ever? Did you ever no, do no, cold no, tub no. Tuesdays complex. with them? Uh, that'll be my one word. Complex. 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 Okay. Yeah. Did you yeah. ever hit the cold tub with him? Oh yeah. Yeah. In the cold tub many a time with him. He's his cold tub Tuesday updates are are. Uh, yeah. Unbelievable. Favorites around here. Very he's rare. also a. Uh, he's a huge golfer. Did you ever play any golf with him? Oh yeah. Yeah. We played. We played a bunch. Okay. And and what? How's his game? You know, it's interesting. It's, uh, you know what, you have to pretend like you didn't see some shots because he will tell you that you're going to pretend like you didn't see it. So, uh, 
you know, he'll, he'll whip one or chip one or duff one and be like, hey, you know what? That one didn't count. Well, that's, and, that's uh, amazing. You're not going to argue with him. No, that's, you're no, not gonna th- argue with him. that's interesting because we heard a story. Somebody said that one time Pac-Man uh, and Reggie, he took Reggie Nelson out and uh, gave Reggie like this this big spiel about, you know, we're playing we're playing real golf today, Reggie. And apparently, like on the first tee, Reggie did something, you know, moved his ball, or and Pac-Man essentially like kicked him off the course. He's like, Reggie, I told you we're playing real golf. We're hitting today. cups today, Reggie. Get out of here. Well, we're not that's why anymore. I said it. That's why I said his word was complex because he's a complex individual. <laughs> so some days it may be like that, and then some days, you know what, you may have to just roll the ball back and give him another shot. I guess they weren't playing real golf. Yeah, yeah. certain days are not whatever playing his, real golf. Whatever his rules are, are the rules. I love it. All right. Well, perfect. Andrew, thank you so much for your time. This was uh, this was thrilling on, on many levels for, for myself and Neil. Um, can't thank you enough. And, you know, hopefully, hopefully we'll see you this year with the NFL season. I know everything's kind of in flux and very fluid right now, but, but really appreciate the time and uh, good luck working on that golf game. I uh, appreciate it, guys. Thank you all so much for having me. All right. Thanks, Andrew. Favorite trapper, the absolute truth, yeah, no joke. Who 